0: What would you do for a friend in need? Maybe a better question would be, What wouldn't you do for a friend in need? Now, I hope these two questions are comfortable to think about, and maybe they even remind you of the time a friend helped you, or how you helped that friend. I hope these are good memories. Now that you are thinking about how you have been helped, and how you can serve others, let me ask you, What would you do for someone that you don't like, or someone you feel doesn't like you? I expect these answers to be harder, maybe even a little more limited in scope than what we would extend to a friend. I think that reaction is perfectly normal, but it is challenged by our Jewish tradition, stemming from our Torah portion, which is always read during this reflective month of Elul. As we prepare for the high holidays, it is a good time to raise these kinds of questions to ourselves to prepare in order to ask for and give our forgiveness to others prior to the high holidays. So what is the Torah saying to prompt these questions about helping friends and enemies? This week's Torah portion, Ki Tse, includes verses from chapters 21 through 25 of Deuteronomy, which expand on the list of laws that Moses is recounting in this part of Deuteronomy. In fact, in Maimonides' list of the 613 commandments, he counts 72 from this week's Torah portion, or nearly 12% of all of the commandments in the entire Torah. So, there are verses in chapter 22 that may seem familiar, because we read about these commandments in Exodus 23. In each case, the first commandment given is about lost animals or lost objects, and our obligation to help by returning what is lost. These verses in Deuteronomy 22 say, if you see your fellow's ox or sheep gone astray, do not ignore it. You must take it back to your fellow. If your fellow does not live near you, or you do not know who he is, you shall bring it home, and it shall remain with you until your fellow claims it. Then you shall give it back to him. You shall do the same with his donkey. You shall do the same with his garment. And so, too, shall you do with anything that your fellow loses and you find. You must not remain indifferent. In Exodus 23, it's much more brief. It says, when you encounter your enemy's ox or donkey wandering, you must take it back to him. Deuteronomy gives much more detail about the commandment to return lost objects. But no matter which book in which we locate the commandment, we are obligated to return what we find. The second idea in both places is about helping when an animal is overburdened. Deuteronomy says, if you see your fellow's donkey or ox fallen on the road, do not ignore it. You must help him raise it. Exodus says, when you see the donkey of him that hates you lying under its burden and would refrain from raising it, you must nevertheless raise it with him. It is curious that in Exodus the focus in both verses is on helping an enemy. An oyvecha, or sonacha, literally the one that hates you, or that same idea of the person that we don't like or someone we think doesn't like us. Deuteronomy doesn't use those words. Instead, it talks only about achicha, your brother, often translated as your fellow. As a student of psychology, I found this difference in words particularly interesting, The Torah is known for not delving into the emotions of the people that it features in narrative sections. But here, the Torah seems to get in our heads, suggesting that we not remain indifferent and that even if we would like to refrain from raising the fallen animal, we must nevertheless raise it with him. Commentator Jeffrey Tegay, writing in the J.P.S. Commentary on Deuteronomy suggests that, quote, anticipation of psychological reactions is common in Deuteronomy with its sermonic approach to the law. So, this being a sermon, I feel justified in telling you that one of my favorite lessons I learned in Psychology 301, the basic Introduction to Psychology course I took at the beginning of my B.A. in Psychology, The professor spoke about cognitive dissonance in terms of making friends. He said that the fastest way to make a friend is to get that person to do a favor for you. It might sound like an odd instruction because you might think that you would make a friend by doing a favor for her, but the reverse is cognitive dissonance at play. Once I do the favor for you, I start to ask myself, even subconsciously, why did I do that favor for you? Cognitive dissonance suggests that my answer, even subconsciously to myself, will be, of course, I really like you. You and I, we must be friends. Doing a favor for a stranger may cause you to feel warm feelings toward the person you helped. Because the pattern in the Torah is to move from the enemy in Exodus to the brother in Deuteronomy, the Torah seems to be suggesting that cognitive dissonance is at play. Biblical commentators work to reconcile the discrepancy between these two cases. Rabbi Avi Weinstein teaches that most commentators reconcile the discrepancy between fellow and enemy, as not a discrepancy at all, but as an injunction that the property of your enemy be treated the same as the property of your friend. In fact, if one has to choose between returning the lost object of a friend or an enemy, the enemy comes first, and the friend comes second. So there we have a response to the questions we started with. Our Jewish tradition challenges us to do for our enemies what we would do for our friends, and if they both needed help at the same time, we must do the hard thing first, to help the enemy, and then the friend. Commentator Nahum Sarna adds, writing in the JPS Commentary on Exodus, about humane treatment of the enemy, that the commandment is a prohibition against permitting one's hostile and vindictive emotions to overcome one's humanity. The moral duty to show concern for the plight of one's enemy is stressed in Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. These injunctions intuit the psychological truth that such civilized conduct must inevitably disarm mutual animosity. It is taken for granted that one would naturally help a friend or an acquaintance in difficulty. Therefore, the only imperative of assisting one's enemy needs to be stressed here in Exodus. Sarna hints about cognitive dissonance, but 13th century Spanish commentator Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman or Nachmanides Teaches that here in Deuteronomy it says your brother, and there in Exodus it states your enemies and of him that hates you, meaning that the commandment in Deuteronomy actually teaches, do thus to him in assisting him, and remember the brotherhood between you and forget the hatred. In other words, do this kindness for your enemy. And when you return his lost object, you will return it not to your enemy, but to your brother. The act of return changes him into the friend and brother he was before or always had the potential to be. In this season of turning, it is a beautiful reminder that the power of change and the power of return is in our hands and in our words. Rabbi Weinstein pushes this idea one step further. He writes, During this month of Elul, we too look to return to the self of whom we are most proud, and as we resolve to start this year anew, we have the power to make for ourselves a fresh start and a sweet new year. King Hiratson, Son, may this be God's will.